Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12 says this, For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we must give account. We are walking through this series on steadfast worship. And first of all, thank you, Ben, last week for your sermon on singing. Really appreciated your word to us. Um, I do hear that there may be some fights about whether Shine Jesus Shine is a good song or not, but I'll let you fight that battle. Um, But really, thank you for your word uh, last week on singing and the role that that plays in our worship. As a part of steadfast worship, um, we've put together these ideas about what we mean by steadfast worship. And um, in our curriculum, we say this, that we serve a faithful God who never fails us. His steadfast love draws us to steadfast worship. And that we do that in a few different ways. And a couple of them that we want to name as something that's very important for us here at Broadway is that we do that by responding to God's word and by praying with expectation. And today we're going to focus on this this first of these two of responding to God's word, that we worship God, that we commit ourselves to steadfast worship by responding to his word in our lives. And so today we're going to be talking about what the Bible is, what the, the role the Bible plays in our lives. And I know for a lot of Christians that Uh, The Bible and their uh, frustration with knowing that I should read it every day, but that I don't, that that's a very present reality for most people. Uh, I've, I've been a pastor for a while now, and most of the people that I talk to about their relationship with the Bible is, it's hard. I think most of us want to just kind of push that aside and pretend that, yeah, I'm in the scriptures every day and we don't kind of want to admit that this is sometimes difficult for us. And I just want to say today is that as we talk about the Bible and the role that the Bible plays in our lives, that that this would be a challenge and an encouragement to you and not a place for you to kind of shame and shame yourself and talk about, think again about how much you should do this more really hope that today that there'll be a vision of the Bible that's given to us that will encourage you today and uh, will challenge you to to make it more and more part of, of your life. Let me pray for us. God, I pray today that you, you would speak to us through uh, your word. I pray that we would discover that your word is living and active in our lives, uh, that it's trustworthy, that you are speaking and that you have given us a way for us to hear from you. Amen. So we have a, this conviction at Broadway, as I was writing my sermon this week, that I think is true of us as a congregation. Our conviction is this, that God is real, that God speaks, and that we can hear him and respond to him. God is real, that God speaks, and that we can hear from him and respond to him. We want people to know that we are not alone in the universe. 
There's a, the creator and Lord of the universe, and he acts and he speaks in our world and in our own lives, and we can experience his action and we can hear his voice. We want each of you to know, we want our neighbors to know that the Lord is active in your life, that he has chosen to speak and to act in your life, and that you can hear his voice and respond to him. This call to steadfast worship that we're talking about this fall is this comes out of this conviction that God is real, that he speaks, that we can hear him and respond to his voice. We believe that God has things to say to us about all of the areas of our life, about our money and our time, about the way we are to respond to our enemies, about sex, about marriage, about parenting, about gender, how we treat the poor, about what our bodies are, etc. All areas of our life, we believe that God has things to say about these things. We have a conviction at Broadway that God is real, that God speaks to us about these areas of our life and every area of our life, and that we can hear from him and respond to him about how we're to live about these things in our lives. I just want to say to you that this conviction is not a small thing, and it's not normal. In fact, it's very strange that we are this kind of people. We live in a world that's often called the secular age, and a secular culture assumes that we cannot hear from God. So let me give you a picture of this really quickly to help you describe the assumption of the culture that we live in. That when it comes to these important parts of our lives, that we live um, in this frame. And God doesn't come into this frame. God's word doesn't speak on these matters. Or if he does speak, we can't hear him. And as followers of Jesus, we believe that this frame is an illusion. That God's word is not outside of these things, but speaks about these things. And that this frame is an illusion and that God's word is right in the middle of all of it and has important things to say to us about all of these important matters that we struggle with to understand what to do with in our lives. We believe that it's not up to us to determine the meaning and significance of these important matters and that it would not be good for us on our own to try to, deter to determine the meaning and significance of all of these things. Rather, we believe it is God who determines the meaning and significance of every aspect of our lives. And it's possible for us, and it's good for us, to hear God's word about these important matters and to conform our lives to his word and not our own opinions and designs. A few years back, we walked through uh, the book of Ecclesiastes, and Ecclesiastes was written by someone who simply called himself the teacher, and uh, there is a phrase that is repeated throughout the book um, about what it means to live a human life here on earth. The teacher says that life here on earth is lived under the sun. Life here on earth is lived under the sun. In other words, life is lived um, within this frame. And that the way that the teacher writes Ecclesiastes, it's, it's as if he's trying to make meaning in life without God's word. 
without word from outside. And he's trying to, to figure out what this world is all about if God had not spoken. And do you remember what he says at the very beginning of the book about what life is like if God has not spoken? He says it is meaningless. The entire book begins with the words, meaningless, meaningless, utterly meaningless, everything is meaningless. And the rest of the book goes on to describe why it is that life is meaningless if we live within this frame, if we simply live our lives as if the only thing that mattered was what is here under the sun. And we have this word. Do you remember the Hebrew word for meaningless? Hevel. This is like six years ago. Good job. I am a proud pastor right now. This Hebrew word hevel, such a good word. I know it's become a part of our vocabulary around here. Some this word hevel means uh, meaningless. It can also be translated as smoke or vapor. And what the, the teacher is trying to describe is that our, wor- our wor- life in this world, if we only have uh, a view of it as life under the sun, as no word from God coming to give us meaning and purpose and hope, then it will be like smoke or vapor. It, it will be here in a, one moment and gone the next. It won't be something that we can grasp or hold on to or to control. That our life in this world, if it's lived only within this frame, apart from God's word, it is hevel. It is meaningless. And so I want to say to you today is this conviction that I've articulated today that God is real and that he speaks and that we can hear and respond to his word, that this conviction may be the most strange conviction that we have in relation to the world around us. So we think about worship or serving the poor or being a place of healing community. The world kind of understands those things. But this conviction that God is real, that he speaks, and that we can hear from him and respond to him may be one of the most strangest things about us. But we hold this conviction at Broadway earnestly and sincerely. We believe that we worship God because he has spoken. He has made himself known to us. He has revealed himself to us. He has revealed his will to us. He has revealed his plans and purposes for our lives and for our world. We believe that the creator and the king of the universe has spoken and that we can learn to discern and hear his voice and respond to it. And so as we look at this topic today, there are are two things that this conviction offers to us as Christians. This conviction offers to us that in our lives, we can have a foundation to live our lives on, to base our lives on, and we can also have a measure. Because God has spoken to us through his word, we can have a measure to discern what is true in the world. And because God has spoken, because we can hear from him and respond to him, it also orients our hope in our future. So here in the present time, in our our present life, because God has spoken, we have a foundation to build our lives on. We have a measure to discern what is true. And as we look towards our future, it can orient our hope and our future. So I want to talk a little bit about about the Bible, the Bible as as God's word. Uh, The Bible, first of all, is a gift to us from God. Amen? It's a gift to us from God. The words of the Bible were were written by human beings who were uniquely inspired by the Holy Spirit 
to communicate the truth about God and about ourselves and about our world. And everything that is said in the Bible can be trusted. Everything that is said in the Bible about God is truth about God. Everything that is said about human beings is truth about human beings. Everything that is said about the nature of the world that we live in is true about the nature of the world that we live in. And the story that we hear and read about in the scriptures, this story of of God's good creation and the promise that he has to renew and restore a creation that has fallen from him, all of that can be trusted. And we can place ourselves in that story and we can recognize ourselves in that story. It's the true story about our lives. It's the true story about God's plans and purposes for the world. Turn with me to 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 and 17. I want to read what the Bible says about itself. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 and 17. Paul writes, All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching and rebuking and correcting and training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Let's read that again. All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching and rebuking, correcting and training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. The words of the scriptures are God-breathed. They are, are inspired by him, and so they are trustworthy. They can be our guide in life. They, they correct us, and they, they guide us, and they help us to bear good fruit, to be the kind of human beings that God designed for us to be. So I said earlier that the Bible tells us three things, tells us lots of things, but three main points. First, that the Bible tells us the truth about God, tells us the truth about ourselves, and tells us the truth about our world. So I just want to spend a few minutes here talking about these, uh, the way that the Bible talks about these three things, about God, about ourselves, and about our world. A few, uh, a couple months ago, we talked about that the Bible reveals to us that God is Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. The Bible tells us that this Trinitarian God is the creator of all things, and that he made all things as an overflow out of the joy that it was within God's own life. He made the world and made us. In the Bible, we learn that God is a father, that we can know and experience God as a father who loves us. And because he loves us, we can trust him with our whole life. The Bible tells us that God, this good creator and father, is at work in our life. And he has a plan and a purpose for your life and for the whole world. He is at work right now to redeem and restore all of the broken parts of your life and the broken parts of our world. And he did that through sending his son into the world who took on human flesh Jesus of Nazareth, and he came near to us. Jesus came near to us. He took on the burdens and the difficulties of human life. He entered into the hevel of our world. He wept and he laughed and he ate and he drank and he became tired and he became weary and he became um, annoyed and he had all of the frustrations and irritations of life. He entered into our world He took on the burden of the hevel of our world, and he took on the burden of our sin and the separation from the Father that is created by our sin, and he took that to the cross. 
sacrificing himself for us. And then the Father and the Son sent the Holy Spirit into the world so that you and I can be filled with the Spirit of God. That the Spirit of love that has forever existed between the Father and the Son can be poured into our hearts, and that love that exists in our hearts can then be poured into the lives of our neighbors. We believe all of these things and much more about God because we hear about them in the Bible. And we can trust these words about him and build our life on these words, this foundation of our life, because these are true words about who God is. The Bible also tells us true things about ourselves, about us as human beings. The first thing that the Bible tells us is that we were made in God's image. That you and every single person that you have ever met, the person that you despise the most, was made in God's image reflects God in some way, was made to reflect and image God in some way. The Bible also tells us that all of us have rebelled against God, we've sinned, we've broke God's commandments, and there is something in us that resists God. But the Bible tells us that God is rich in mercy, slow to anger, abounding in love and compassion. And so again, he sent his son so that the results and consequences of our resistance to God can be mended and we can be brought together again with him through his life and his death and his resurrection. We believe these things about ourselves and we can build our lives on these truths because we've heard them in the Bible. The Bible also tells us true things about our world, that God made the world and he made it good. This world is not an incredible accident. It is an incredible work of a very good and creative God. And God made this world to be a place where we, we can live with him as his image bears. Where he made this world so that his place and our place can be the same place. The Bible is very clear also that in our world that suffering and evil are very real. They're not imaginary. We cannot escape them or ignore them. They are consequences of our sin and our resistance to God. They are with us, and in this life, they will always be present with us. But the promise of the Bible is that God is at work right now to redeem this world of our abuse of it and our abuse of one another and our resistance to him. And through the same power that raised Jesus from the dead, God will resurrect the whole world and make all things new. The Bible is our foundation because it teaches us the truth about the most important things, about who God is, about who we are, and about this world that we live in. I said earlier that the Bible is also our measure the Bible helps us to measure, to discern the truth of the word of God around us. There are other places outside of the Bible where God speaks. God speaks in creation. He speaks through the words of other people. He speaks through art and through science. God speaks through the, the, the voice of our own conscience and our own hearts. And as we live in the world, we encounter all sorts of ideas that come from Christians and non-Christians alike, from philosophies and worldviews and psychological principles and political platforms and artistic expressions and scientific ideas. 
so many things that the Bible actually doesn't say anything explicitly about. But to the extent that those things are true, they can only come from one source, God. And they can be useful to us as Christians. We can affirm them and agree with them. But we have to have a measure to discern what is true, a ruler to decide what is true. And it is the ruler of the scriptures that help us discern the truths of these other ideas, how God is speaking in these other areas of our life so that we can discern them and hear his voice in all areas of our life. And our calling as Christians is to go into the world and to discern everything that we hear and to listen for the voice of God, the presence of God in every area of our life. So those were a few things that the Bible teaches us about the most important things, about who God is and about who we are and about this world that we live in. I want to talk a little bit then also about our hope in our future. Because God has spoken, we can have a certain hope and a certain future. The goal, the end goal of hearing God's word is to know Jesus, who is the word of God. In our American Christian culture, we have a lot of information about the Bible. Lots of resources, lots of workbooks, lots of curriculum, lots of Bible studies, lots of podcasts, so much access to information about the Word. And all of that is great. I love it. I love that we have those resources at our fingertips. But friends, all of it is hevel if it doesn't help us to come to know Jesus, the word of God, to know the word Jesus Christ, who makes God known to us. And the Bible in a few different places tells us that the whole point of the Bible is to point us to Jesus. Do you remember Jesus after his resurrection on the road to Emmaus? He is walking side by side with two of his disciples who are confused. They do not understand what has just happened. The, The man that they had put their whole life and trust in had just been crucified on a cross. And Jesus shows up to them on the sly and he walks with them and he asks them what's wrong. And they begin to tell him all the things that are on their hearts. And Luke tells us that beginning with Moses, Jesus told them all of what the scripture said about himself. In the book of Acts, there's a story about Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch. This Ethiopian eunuch is, is reading the words, the scroll of Isaiah, as he's I don't know how he got this scroll, but he's got this scroll of Isaiah and he's reading it and he wants to understand it. He is reading words of life here in this scroll and he wants to know it and to understand it. And Philip comes along, he asks what he's reading and the eunuch says, I I know these words sound good, but I don't understand them. Can you help me understand them? And Philip, Luke tells us in Acts, it says, beginning with those words in Isaiah, Philip began from that very passage of scripture to tell him the good news about Jesus. In the gospel of John, this gospel of the the life of Jesus, he has a thesis statement. And he says, this is the reason why I wrote this book. These things were written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the son of God, and that through him you may have life in his name. In the book of Hebrews, uh, 
the very beginning of the book of Hebrews says that in the former times, God spoke through the prophets in various ways. But now in these final days, he has spoken to us through his son. Friends, the Bible is not given to us so that we can know a lot more information, so that we can acquire facts about God. Ultimately, God speaks. He has given us the Bible. He speaks in these other ways to reveal himself to us. So we can come to see just how much an illusion that frame really is. He really is here speaking to us in our day-to-day life about the things that are most important to us. Friends, all of us, including us as Christians who live in a a secular era, it's difficult to break out of this frame. And as followers of Jesus, we have to constantly remind ourselves that that frame really is an illusion, and that we have been given a foundation and a measure to discern discern the meaning and significance of all of these things. We've been guidance for our lives, for our hope and our future to come and to know God. And I want to finish today by talking a little bit about our neighbors who live in this secular age and in this secular reality. The men and women in our culture who live their entire lives within this frame. I think there are a lot of us who feel like our response to people who don't believe in God or who make meaning of their lives on their own with these topics and others that we feel like we need to be mad at them. That we're kind of in a cultural battle with them. And for sure, there are all kinds of problems. In fact, I have cut out half of my sermon today (laughs) because I wanted to talk some about the problems that come when we live just within this frame for the world and also for us as Christians, because we live very often in this frame as well. We are unaware of how captive we are to this frame. But I think for a very long time, Christians in America have seen our role as as fighting in the culture wars with people who have a different mindset from us. And next Tuesday are the midterms. And while things are pretty quiet here in Indiana, we don't have a governor race or a Senate race. So things are quiet here, but it's not quiet in other parts of our country, right? And these culture wars and these political battles are not unimportant, but often the way that Christians engage in these areas reflect how captive we are to living in this frame. That we tend to engage these matters politically in the same way that the world does. We tend to believe that God is actually not coming. He's not coming to rescue us. And so if we're going to do something, we're going to have to do it ourselves and to use whatever means necessary to make whatever we think is right happen. Some of you know this about me, but I I intentionally read and listen to a lot of cultural and spiritual and political commentary from people who are not Christians. And I do that very intentionally because I want to understand the world that we live in. And I want to understand how those people think about me, what they think about Christians. And I am beginning to discover a shift And what I'm beginning to hear from those who are really thoughtful, there are obviously really loud voices all over the place, from those who are really thoughtful and who are thinking deeply about what it means to live life. What I'm hearing in those who are living in this frame is exhaustion and sadness. A few years ago, I picked up a book 
written by a man named Julian Barnes. And the book was called Nothing to be Frightened of. Julian Barnes is an atheist, and this book was a book about his own reflections on death. What does it mean for us to die? And what does it mean for him as an atheist who doesn't believe that there's anything on the other side? What does it mean for me to think about my own death? Which I think is a pretty honest and brave and courageous thing to do. So he's written, written this book called Nothing to be Frightened of. And so when you think about that, an atheist writing about nothing to be frightened of, he's probably, you probably think what he's saying is death is really nothing to be frightened of. But that's not the point of his book. What he says is that there is nothing, and I'm terrified by it. He begins his entire book with these words. I don't believe in God but I miss him. At Broadway, we have this conviction that God is real, that he speaks, that we can hear from him and respond to him. I've been reminded this week of that story very on in the book of Acts where Peter and John were there arrested by the religious rulers and they're brought before the religious leaders And they begin to point them to Jesus and to explain the gospel to them. And the book of Acts says this, When they saw the courage of Peter and John and saw that they were unschooled and ordinary men, they were astonished and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. I think what the world needs the most from the church right now is not producing more people who see that, who are ready to fight, not more cultural warriors, but a church produces people who have been in touch with Jesus, who have been in touch with his word, who have encountered this life-changing reality of the word of God. To be a church who really does see this frame as an illusion as an illusion, and who live our lives with a quiet confidence that God is here, that he has spoken, that we can learn to discern his voice and respond to him. To be people who our priority is to order our lives based on the foundation and measure of his word, who have aimed our future, our lives now and our future at coming to know him, Jesus, the word. A people who believe that because of the word that is spoken, that we can trust that he is coming to make all things new and all things right. And we can trust him to do that. And that we can live our lives and we can interact with our neighbors and we can be on social media and we can talk with people who disagree with us from this perspective of believing that Jesus is the one who has the double-edged sword coming out of his mouth. He is going to come and to make all things right just by speaking his word. And we can trust him to do that. So let's pray. God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for this conviction that you've given to Broadway um, for over 40 years now, that you are real, that you have spoken, that we can discern your word and respond to it. And God, I pray that you would make us more and more a people like that in every area of our life that all of the important matters of our life, the things that we wrestle with, the questions that we have, the the questions about how we're to engage in in all sorts of ways in our our home, our neighborhoods, our workplace, um, online, in politics, in whatever other way, 
God, I, I pray that you would teach us to live with the firm con- conviction that we can trust you to do your good work. Amen.